name of the message is how to apply what the Bible says. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to apply. That wasn't very convincing. You need to tell your neighbor, tell them, say, you need to apply what the Bible says. It's what Jesus wants. So Luke chapter 8, verses 4, where we're going to begin. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large, parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on the footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon withered and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as it had been planted. When he had said these, this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him, What does this parable mean? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we're grateful for your uh, goodness and your grace in our life. And God, we pray today, Lord, that we would not only listen, but that we would apply. God, that we would hear your voice, that your spirit would speak to every heart in this place. And God, that we would know that you're near us and that you're leading us and that you're guiding us. God, let our heart become good soil in this place today. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. It's amazing that this Gospel of Luke that we're reading from today was written by a, a physician. Uh, Luke was a physician, and who would have known that there was physicians even 2,000 years ago that were uh, going around practicing medicine? But there's other places in Scripture that teach that. Jesus, with the woman's issue of blood, she said that she had spent all she had on physicians and couldn't be made well. So there's definitely was physicians around. Luke was a physician. He uh, come to follow Jesus later, but he wrote down these words, and uh, he penned these out. And a physician, if you look at a physician, they are one that prescribes medicine to cause a change. So if you're sick, if you've got a snotty nose, runny nose, if you've got earaches, if you've got a toothache, if you have all these ailments that come upon us as humans, as you go to a doctor, they'll prescribe you medicine that will change your condition. Amen? So the Bible teaches that Jesus is the great physician. He's the one that heals all manner of diseases. He's the one that can heal you no matter what the doctor may say. So as we say that, Luke was writing to get an outcome when he would write a prescription or when he would tell somebody to do this or do that or maybe he would uh, uh, straighten a leg back up and put a splint on it and keep him walking straight for a while. He was a physician. He wanted an outcome. And if, if a natural physician wants an outcome, I tell you that the great physician wants an outcome. Amen? Jesus desires something in your life. He desires action in your life. He desires change in your life. So as we look at these verses, I want us to look at it from that perspective that Jesus was not just talking to be heard. Amen? He wasn't just talking for people to listen. He was talking so that people would change, so that their walk would be different, so that they could change for the better and not for the worse. So as Jesus was prescribing this medicine to humanity, his people was there. And the Bible says that in the beginning part that we read there, verse 4, it says that there was a great crowd there. And I can tell you that a great crowd can follow somebody and be in, in, in amongst a big uh, uh, group, and no, that doesn't mean that everybody's listening. Amen? 
Every week I go and teach at school and teach at work and I'll be teaching a topic and I'll look around and somebody will be over there cleaning their fingernails. Somebody else will be over there rolling something around on the table and you know, other person might be talking to their neighbor. The other one might be on their phone doing texting or looking on Facebook or doing something else. They're not, they're not participating in the discussion. They're not listening to the information that's, that I'm trying to get across to them. And if they don't listen, they'll never learn. Amen? We need to listen. And it's not about listening just because I want to be heard. I could care less about being heard. I'm sick of talking, basically. Amen? I don't like, I don't like talking to be heard. I don't like hearing myself talk. Whenever Leslie, before Leslie started doing the uh, audio on, for the streaming, I used to do that myself, and I'd have to listen to my whole sermon myself to make sure, you know, as I listen through, that there's some things we say can't be aired about our missionaries and different things so there would be places I'd have to cut out and I would have to listen to my whole sermon and cut out parts does anybody else have you ever listened to yourself talk it's weird isn't it it's like wow that don't even sound like me that's that's not me but that's how you sound even though you don't know it but Jesus was talking not to be heard he was talking for change he was talking for people to apply this to their life and to make people better people so as Jesus is talking, we should listen. Amen? We as a church should listen to what he has to say. But we, not, we can not only just listen, we have to apply it. We can listen all we want to all the sermons we want. We can, we can go about and, you know, listen to praise and worship music and just constantly trying to get new information about God and who he is. But if we never apply anything to our life, nothing's changing. The only way you're ever going to change is to change. So as we look at this, let's dig in and see these different types of soil as Jesus was speaking here to this great crowd. And at the end he said, listen, anyone that has ears to hear should listen and understand. Should listen and should understand. So there's four different types of soil here. Four different types of soil. Even though there's four different types of soil, there's only one seed. He didn't say that there was four different types of seed. He said there's one seed. That a farmer goes out and casts seed and it falls on four different types of soil. The seed's the same. The soil is what's different. And then Jesus goes on to explain this in, in later parts of this uh, chapter here. You can read it and, and he kind of gives an explanation of what the different types of soil are too because his disciples, after they heard him say this, they walked away and then later they're like, hey Jesus, what, what, what are you talking about? Has anybody else been like that? You'd read the Bible, you'll read a verse, and you'll look at it, and you'll, you'll try to understand it. It's like, man, I don't, I don't get that at all. And you, then you have to go, hey, Jesus, can you, can you help me out with this? I can't get it. That's how we are as humans. His disciples were the same way. They'd been walking with him for a long time, but they still had to ask, what was you talking about, Jesus? Because we can't just listen to him. We've got to understand what he's talking about, right? So as, as we look at this, there's four different types of soil. This is talking about, and Jesus uh, said that the, word, that the seed is the word of God. This word is the seed that can be planted in your heart and cause a change in your life. It can raise up and grow and become a, 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 a life of fruit in your life. Life-giving fruit in your life. So as Jesus is talking here, he's trying to get us to listen. And we're listening today, and now we not only want to listen, we want to understand and we want to apply it. So what is the first type of soil as he scattered it across the field some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it 
So the farmer goes out and casts all of his seed out to try to get a harvest. And as he casts it out, part of it falls on a footpath. And as I think about that, what's it like to fall on a footpath? Somebody's made a mess right here. Somebody threw dust instead of change. A footpath. What is that like? Is that random? That was me. That was my ADD kicking in. Sorry. Greg just vacuumed right before church, too. Thank you, Greg. Everybody say, thank you, Greg, for vacuuming. Yeah, he, he done a good job. Now he's got more work. Um, so a footpath, what would that look like? So if this farmer cast it on a footpath, that's, that's a waste, right? That's a waste of seed, really, because uh, deer hunters. So, uh, well, I would talk to Leslie, but I'm not going to. Peewee, you, you're the deer hunter, so I'm going to talk to Peewee today. If you go out and you go deer hunting, you look for a path that is a place where all the deer go because, you know, if you see that sign of where they've got a path, if you sit close by that, you're going to know there's going to be a deer come through here because they always trod the same path, right? So if you can go plant something on that path, it won't grow because all the deer come down that path and they'll trample and they'll, they'll tear it up. Then it even says that the birds there will come and fly and pick it up because if, if something begins to grow on that little footpath, same way on a cattle path. If you go out in a cattle pasture, it's weird how animals are, are that they'll just stay on the same path all the time. You can drive up and down the double highway, you'll see cattle up there, and there's one path wore around the side of the hill that's the dirt mark that goes around through there. Nothing can grow on that. It's amazing how that uh, uh, animals are, are creatures of habit. A whole lot like us. We are creatures of habit. We get up in the morning at the same time, Sean, every morning. I don't know what your routine is, but you go, you know, used to I'd go put my Pop-Tarts in the toaster and get them ready and then go take my shower and then get out of the shower and get my clothes on and go back in and my coffee and my Pop-Tarts is done right. And it's a routine that I go through every day. And there, if you walked, really, look, there would be a path down the center of my hallway because that's the path I always take. I don't, I don't go to one side or the other. I take the one path I always take. You can even look like outside your house, and I assure you, if you don't have a sidewalk somewhere, there's a path at Jamie and Ace, uh, Jason and Amy's house, and you go out there, and there's a path in between their house and the car because you can see exactly where they walk every time. Maybe it's Brennan spinning, I don't know. Done uh, Dukes of Hazard with his feet, it's hard to tell. But there's no, there's no grass there. It's a dirt path. It's amazing to me because, you know, people usually take the path of least resistance. When I was facility manager a few years ago at the hospital, the way that the uh, construction industry is doing now, used to they'd put out sidewalks and try to get people to go on the path to the sidewalk, but then people wouldn't take the sidewalk because it's a long way and they'd cut across. So now the new way of construction is this. They'll build the building, put the parking lot out there, get all of it ready, and they'll let the people pick the path, and then they'll go back and pour the sidewalk where the people walk because that's where they're going to go anyway. We're creatures of habit, Ernie. We do the same thing over and over again. Let me tell you something about paths. The Bible said that broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the path that leads to salvation, to eternal life. We don't want to take the path that's most trodden. We don't want to take the path that the world is taking. What can I say about that? People will try to stomp down when God begins to try to grow things in you. If you try to sow seed on soil that everybody's tromping around on, it'll never grow. You gotta watch. You gotta watch who you let trop. 
over top of you. Because people will step on you. They'll put you down. And they won't want to see anything growing in your life. They'll stomp it down. It's a bad deal, right? Watch your path. Because Jesus said that the word can't grow on that path. What type of soil is your heart? Is it a place where everybody else is walking on? Do you allow too many people in your life? Do you allow those people in your life to walk around and walk all over you? Might be something that you would reflect on just now. Say, God, how can I apply this to my life? You need to watch who's around you. Amen? Because they'll take down. It's amazing that people think who they hang around is not important. But it's very important. I think it's a good judgment of your character. I love it Sister Jennifer says all the time, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. How many times have you heard that, Erica? A million times. Because it's the truth. Who you hang around is who you become. You've got to be careful who you allow in your life. I would rather people to be on a littler path with fewer people that speak into my life and allow God to grow in my life than I would around people that always wants to stomp out when God begins to do good work in my life. Because some people can't desire. They don't want you to get ahead because they're, they're not getting ahead. They don't want you to gain anything in God because they're going nowhere in God. You've got to be careful about your company. Look at your neighbor and say your friends are important. But more importantly, is the type of friends you have. <laughs> Amen? Another type of soil. Let's look at it. Another type of soil. Verse 6. Other seed fell among the rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon withered and died for lack of moisture. So some of it fell on the path. Some of it fell on the rock. Jesus is saying this is a different type of soil. A rock is still soil. You can beat sandstone and it'll turn back into dust. You can go to a rock quarry that they can take limestone. It's a really hard rock and crush it and mangle it and, and twist it and run it through these big ovens and all this different stuff and it'll become out as, as fine as you want to make it. They can even get sand out of it. Rocks can be turned back to dirt. So as we see this, that Jesus says that when the word falls on this, this type of dirt known as a rock, that it can't grow because it can't get any roots. And I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt in my mind today that as, as we're talking about this, that, that people with a hard heart, it's hard for God to do anything with it. If our heart is so hardened that we won't listen to what God's Word tells us and He, he might be telling us we're wrong and, and we're so stubborn and mule-headed and maybe it's not just a hard heart, it's a hard head. Amen? And we won't listen. We won't pay attention when God's Spirit is speaking to us and telling us, you need to straighten up. You need to turn around. It's the wrong way. Don't go that way. And we can hear the Word of God speaking to us, but we don't want to do anything about it because we're too hard-headed or too hard-hearted to listen. And God says that His Word can't grow on a rock because it can't get any roots. You can take and plant some things out there in a field, and if, if you plant it over top of a big rock cliff, things can't grow on it. Every now and then you could drive down the Dubway Highway and you can see where they cut the face of the rocks, cliffs off and you might see one little tree growing out the side but usually it's because its roots are running back in to get water between one of those sections of rock. The rock isn't doing anything for it other than holding it up. 
It isn't very often. It isn't very likely that anything can grow in your life with a hard heart. Basically impossible. And I know that, it, that some of us sitting in here today is hearing this and thinking, well, he must be talking about everybody else because I don't have a hard heart. It's usually the ones of us that think we don't have a problem is the one with the problem. Amen? We usually so uh, high-minded high and, and, and so uh, got, got so high-minded about ourselves that we think so much about ourselves and other people's looking around like, man, you're a train wreck. And we're sitting there thinking, no, I'm just fine. Amen? So we need to back up and say, yeah, I want God, I want you to do some things in my life. And the only way for, to allow him, there's a place in Scripture that says that he will break up the fallow ground. He will, he will turn it up. He will, he will go into those hard places of your life. And if you won't let him get deep into your life, if you won't let him get to the, to the interior, where the, you know, it's like the picture of the house that the one preacher was preaching about that time that most people will let Jesus through the front door. They'll let him in the living room because they got it cleaned up and they got it vacuumed. They got it pictured pretty nice. But then Jesus is standing there like, I don't just want to know your living room version of you. I want to know the real you. How do you live the rest of the time when I'm not here? He's asking really, what's your closet look like? You see, because when I lived myself, I was a master at this. I could keep my living room picked up. I could keep my kitchen nice and clean. I would have the, the laundry done. But my, my closets were a train wreck. I would just stuff stuff in there because I love stuff. And I, I, I'm a hoarder. And I, my closets would be completely full of stuff. If you looked at my living room, it was like, man, Ben lives pretty clean. But you didn't see the closet. That's where Jesus is today. He's, he's saying, don't just show me the outward parts. Show me the inward parts. Show me inside. How, how deep will you let me go in your life? How, how far will you let me dig before I can show you that you still got some issues? Amen. No matter how, how clean you think you are, no matter how holy or righteous you think you are before God, we need to let God go deeper. We need to let Him get to the deep parts so that those roots can grow down there because sometimes a famine will come. It might be a drought happening in your life. And the only thing that survives the drought are the things with the deepest roots. Amen? I don't know if you've ever faced anything in your life or not, but I'm telling you that droughts will come. Famines will come. And only those things with the deepest roots will grow. Those things that's got the deepest roots can sustain through the drought. Because they can get the water that's underneath the soil that nobody else can see. How deep will you let God go? How can you apply that? Open up your heart. And be honest before God and say, I'm hard-hearted, God. I'm hard-headed, God. But I'm hearing you today. And I want you to do some deep work inside of me. And he'll do it. Next type of soil. Other seed fell among the thorns and grew up with it and choked out the tender plants fell among the thorns what does that look like what's that a picture of why is Jesus talking like that you know the first place in the history of the world that thorns and thistles are mentioned it's at the very moment where Adam and Eve first sinned and rebelled against God because sin and rebellion brought a curse amen sin and rebellion against God brought a curse curse was on the planet Curse was on man, curse was upon woman, 
curse was upon it all because we messed it up God didn't mess up he made a perfect earth man come got involved we messed it up it's not God's fault can I tell you you need to quit blaming God can I be honest with you you need to quit blaming God for all the troubles and trials in your life he ain't the one that he ain't the one that created those problems The Bible says he won't tempt you above that which you're able to bear. Whatever you're going through, he already knows how you can get through it. He won't put more on you than you can take. I promise you, it's scripture. But here it says the thorns and thistles won't let uh, seed grow in this ground because those thorns and thistles, as they grow up, they'll choke out whatever the plan is that you're trying to get a harvest off of. I don't know about you, but I've never ate a briar patch. Now, I've went to a briar patch and got some blackberries and enjoyed that quite well. <laughs> but these thorns, these weeds, is what he's saying is what's cursed. And as I think about this, I think about my dad. He grows a garden every year. So as he goes out and plants these rows in his garden, and he's, his has got to be perfect. I mean, he drives a stake on both ends and, and runs a string in between it and plants it right along. He, you won't see no... It won't be none of this at Dad's house. It's, it's, it's a straight shot. If you're looking down in his garden, every row of corn is identically straight. He measures over it. I mean, he lays it out like he's building a house or something. He knows exactly how wide his tractor tires are. He knows how wide his cultivators are going to dig. He lays out the rows exactly where they need to be. Painstaking effort to make sure it's just exactly right. Because he knows if I plant these seeds in the ground, and depend on them to grow on their own without taking care of it, it won't work. All year long, he'll be down there. He won't even see no seeds popping up yet. There's no corn coming out of the ground yet. There's no beans growing yet, Greg. And Dad's down there with his tractor because he knows where the rows are, and he's taking his tractor and going in between there, cultivating it up, breaking the ground up. Why? If you don't break up the ground, the weeds are going to come. It's going to try to take over. And I can tell you, in your spiritual life, if you're not cultivating your own heart, if you're not saying, God, I, I, I need to work this ground up. I need, to, I need to keep this ground loose. One, so it can absorb moisture, but two, so the weeds can't grow. Don't give them a chance to grow in your life. Because I'm telling you right now, if you let weeds begin to grow in your garden, they'll overtake you. You can't catch up. You've got to stop them before they get there. My dad's a master at this. And after the, the, finally the corn starts growing and it gets too tall and he can't get his tractor over top of it because the tractor breaks the corn down, he gets down there with his rotor tiller. And then he's down there with his rotor tiller, rotor tilling through the aisles two or three times a week. He's down there with the rotor tiller, tilling the garden. I'm going down to till the garden. And he tills the garden. No weeds can grow. Then when it gets to the point where that it gets so tall that he can't even get the rotor tiller between it, you know what he's down there doing? He's down there with a hoe, a manual hoe, and he's hoeing out the garden. He's chopping the weeds out because he's not going to let them grow in the garden. What if we was that diligent about our heart and our spiritual life to say, I am not going to let one weed grow in the garden where God planted his word. Enemy, your curse no longer binds me. Amen? Your curse is no longer upon me. I think it's Galatians chapter 3 talks about the curse. The curse of the law. If we're living under the law, we're cursed by the law. 
Because the Bible says that if you, if you do anything against the law, you're cursed. I don't want to live in a curse from God, do you? The way to stop that is kill the weeds. Tear up the weeds. I don't know what kind of sin you may be dealing with in your life right now, but one thing's for sure. God gave you the power to overcome that sin. His son Jesus hung on a cross for you and for I that if there's any sin that so easily besets us that we can cast it off, it says in Hebrews, that we can lay off those sins that, that are weighing us down. If you're burdened down, if your heart is troubled today and it seems like the weeds has overtaken you and it seems like God's word is no longer growing, today lay off those sins. Go pull up the, pull up the weeds by the root and say, you're not growing in my garden anymore. It's how you apply the word of God. Tear it down. And the last of these, still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. A hundred times profit on your seed. That's pretty good profit. If I knew every year that I could take a hundred or a dollar bill and lay it on the ground, at the end of the year there'd be a hundred dollar bill there. I'd make those investments all day long, wouldn't you? That's a stock market I would want to be involved in. <laughs> it's a pretty good investment. And God says that good soil will produce a hundredfold. That is astounding. That is amazing. Because next year I got a hundred. I got one this year. Next year I got a hundred. You know what a hundred times a hundred is? How much is that, Leslie? She's, got, she's in math. She says it's 100,000. 100 times 100 is 10,000. 10,000. What's 10,000 times 100? Get you, just go ahead and get your calculator out. Get your phone out. It'd be a million. Okay, what's a hundred times a million? A hundred million. Do you see the compounding interest of this? What if in the last year we allowed God to do so much in our life that our life produced a hundredfold of what he submitted to us? And then we start over with that mount and redo it again. Look what, how much we should be growing. That is amazing. That's astounding. That is what the word awesome is all about. It ought to leave us in awe of what God is doing in our life. And Jesus is saying here in this text that good fertile soil is a hundredfold. So as we think about that, okay, uh, uh, let's talk about healing. How many believes in healing? How many believes God can heal? How many believes it's this scripture to let you be healed? I think it's 2 Peter 2.24, Isaiah 53.5, Psalms 103, verse 3. You can go on and on and on where it tells you that God is a healer. It's his will that you are healed. The Bible says in James chapter 5 that if any sick among you, let them call for the elders of church, let them anoint them with oil, pray, lay hands on them, pray the prayer of faith, and it will save the sick. That's what Scripture says. 
What if God told us that, and that's his word that's implanted in our heart, it's supposed to be engrafted in our heart, is what we believe is what God says. Amen? What if we would have a hundredfold of that at the end of the year? What if by the end of the year, this year, in 2017, every individual in this room had enough of that in their life, and you were good soil, and God could produce a hundredfold, and each person in this room would see a hundred people healed this year? That's, that's like, really? <laughs> that's what it says? You can take any topic. What about salvation? What about being born again? Everybody knows John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him, right? What if every one of us believed that and was good soil that God could plant one of his son Jesus in our life and we are to extend a hundred times every individual in this room? What if every person in this room was good soil and God's word was planted in your life and it had a hundredfold increase this year? It's all about years because harvest time isn't forever. It's every year you plant and you harvest. You plant and you harvest. You plant and you harvest. So these, these four different types of soils is each year. What kind of life would we be living if we was the good soil that Jesus wants to produce in our life? I love it when like people like Reinhard Bonnke, a guy that's born and raised in Germany in poverty and ends up having this dream and this vision of, of, of God calling him to Africa to go preach the gospel. And he, and he gets on and travels down to Africa and he, and he lands there. He don't know anybody and he's not, he's not well known and he starts preaching. And next thing you know, multitudes and thousands begin to come and be saved under Reinhard Bonnke's ministry. Because of a vision that God gave him, a, a job that God gave him, a chore that God gave him. And, and Reinhard Bonnke's heart was, was good soil because he didn't just lay there in Germany and say, well, someday I'll get down there to Africa. He actually did something with it. He acted it out. And there's one crusade a while back that he had over 100,000 in one service. In the middle of the tribes of Africa, people was walking six days to get there. Those people will do anything to get to a church service. You don't have to beg them to come. You don't have to browbeat them to come. They come. Why? Because they're expecting something from God. They want to hear the word of God preached. They want to be taught what the scripture teaches. Because they're in poverty, they have nothing. In America, we've got so much uh, easy way of life that, that we, we, don't, we don't get tore up about that. You know, we, this is just another part of our life, the Christianity thing. What if good soil was every one of us would have a hundredfold increase in whatever you're believing God for this year? I submit to you, if you didn't have a hundredfold increase last year, how many, how many seen a hundred people come to know Jesus last year by yourself? Anybody? Anybody win a hundred people? I didn't. You know what that tells me? I'm not the soul Jesus is wanting. His word is the seed, Greg. He's saying, I've got to have the soil to work in. The only way something will ever grow is if it's good soil. And I can tell you right now, there's some weeds that I've had to pluck out of my life last year. There's some things that tries to grow up. This carnal mind, it has thoughts that it shouldn't have. You know what I've got to do when it happens? 
bow my head and pray, God, help me deal with this. You know why? Because Romans chapter 12 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's a scripture. It's the word of God. And if I have good ground, I'll notice it the instant it happens. Whenever that picture comes into my mind, I'm like, no, I ain't going to think that thought. I need to be thinking about God. Amen? And I need to pray. God, help me. Renew my mind. God, you said in your word, you said you'd renew my mind. So today, I'm not going to think that thought anymore. God, help me to erase it out of my memory. What about people in your life? What about the path? Where the people are trodden down, they're trampling down, the word of God begins to try to grow in your life, and you get around somebody, and all they ever do is want to kick over and walk on you and tear down what God's trying to grow in you. Sometimes you've got to let people go. Amen. If they're, if, if they're not allowing God to do things in your life, either, either they're for God or they're against God. You've got to decide, what kind of friends do you want? I want godly friends. Now, I'm telling you that you can't have a sinner friend because Jesus had sinner friends. He would go eat with them every now and then, but that wasn't who he walked around with 365 days a year. He walked around with his disciples. You can have, Aaron, you can have friends that are sinners, but you better have godly friends. You've got to have people that's pouring into your life. You need Abby. You need Dusty. You need people pouring in your life. Amen? Because people will walk all over you and won't let God do anything. And what about the stony heart? What if that's the soil that Jesus is trying to do something with in us? And I'm not telling you to point any fingers. This is all internal for every person in this room. What's God trying to say to you today? I submit to you this. That if you don't have a hundredfold increase, you're not the fertile soil yet still work for God to do Jason the only way you're going to be a pillar of the community <laughs> break up some of that dirt man say God I, I, I can't but you can I've tried and I've failed but God you're bigger than any of this mess I'm dealing with you're the answer Emily you need to tell God he's the answer to all your problems God is at work. Are we listening? And not only are we listening, but are we walking it out? Because you can hear this sermon. You can sense the Spirit of God knocking on your heart's door right now. But if you get up and walk out that door the same way you come in, nothing's going to change. You have to make a decision in here today. Am I walking out different or am I walking out the same? And I beg and plead with you, walk out changed. Because God can change right now in an instant what you've tried to do in years. He can turn you upside down right now. Leslie, you come play. The Bible says, let the word of God be true and every man a liar. This word is true. These words that are spoken are the truth. The thing is, how do you apply the word of God? You got to do it kind of like Nike just do it that's a trademark of God Nike stole it from him won't you stand with me how many say Pastor Ben I, I, I want a hundredfold increase in my life I'm ready for this year to be a year of change of rearrangement amen I want, I want to increase God 
Amen. I want that. I desire that. Let me pray over if you will. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for your encouragement that you're giving in this place. God, that you lay it out before us in reality, God, where we can understand it. And God, I thank you that there's going to be application being made in this room today. And God, for every person that raises their hand that says they want to be a person of increase, God. Lord, that are saying they want to open up their heart to you. Lord, that they want to take out sin. Lord, that they want to get that hard heart and they want to open it up and say, Jesus, come in. Look, look at the closet. Look, look underneath. Look in the cellar, God. Look, look in the garage. Look everywhere you want to look in our house, God. We totally open up to you in this place today. And God, most of all, Lord, the ones that are in this room, Lord, that has friends that has been holding them back, that's been tearing them down, that's been walking over them. God, I pray that you would give them new friends. Lord, I pray that you would bring them into relationships that they don't even know exist yet. God, that you would just surround them with godly people that'll speak into their life, that'll speak words of encouragement. Lord, that will cause them to be bold as lions, God. Lord, I pray for change in this room today. God, I pray every person that walks out those doors will walk out, Lord, refreshed and renewed, knowing, God, that you're going to do great things in their life in 2017, that they're looking forward and saying, this is the year where that I change for the better because of God. Thank you, Jesus, for hanging on the cross for every person in this room. And God, I pray that every person in this room that needs your blood shed over their life, Jesus, you hang on there for every person here. God, I pray that they accept your son, Jesus. Lord, that they would walk out with a new reality, with a new identity in you. Change us from the inside out, God. Make us holy, make us righteous before you. Lord, Lord just give us good, good success like your word says. You told Joshua that you was going to give him good success meditate in the word day and night God I pray that there's people in this room that will read your word more than they ever have Lord make us addicted to your word like most of us are addicted to Facebook Lord allow us to hunger and thirst after you so we can be filled in Jesus name